Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Gird your loins. It's time to go on vacay. Hello and welcome back to Vacay. I am your host, Lisa Hamilton. I'm so excited because this week's guest is the host of Ash London Live. It is, of course, Ash London. I mean, no one else could host the Ash London Live show but Ash London. I had the pleasure of meeting Ash a few years ago when we hosted MTV TRL together and she's a dreamboat. I learned so much from her about what it takes to be a great presenter and everyone who meets her will say the exact same thing. She is so dedicated to her work. She is so lovely, but she's also just, she's just a little cheeky gal and I love her so much. Recently, it was announced that Ash London would be hosting a series in partnership with Destination New South Wales called The Long Road, where Ash goes out on a number of different road trips with a bunch of Australian music legends. And it really just highlights all of the incredible places that you can travel to in New South Wales. Shot beautifully. She has such a meaningful rapport with all of her guests and it is really such a great watch. So I decided to get her on vacay to chat about what it was like filming that series and exploring a lot of these places in New South Wales that maybe aren't always on the top of people's lists to travel to. But I think after watching this series, a lot of people are going to get out there and, and travel through regional New South Wales. I hope. Anyway, it is such a great episode and I hope you enjoy. Ash London, thank you so much for joining me on Vacay. It is so nice to see you, not through Instagram. I know we're we're via Zoom, but I miss I miss seeing you every Tuesday night oh, for TRL. I miss those legs eleven for me, just like perving on your legs, going, "How's that fair?" <laughs> so even though I can't see your legs right now, I know they're there, just like tending <laughs> me with their long thinness. <laughs> I mean, that honestly was the vibe that we brought to the to the green room. We were just a, a bunch Pretty of much. sus little humans and then just yes. turning it on for the camera. People had yeah, and idea. eating Flex Mommy's rider. <laughs> she was the only one who had requested specific things. We're like, nah, it's fine. Every week she gets this cheese and crudités platter. We're like, oh, I'm eating that. Didn't even realise that was available for us or maybe just available for Flex Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> So since we uh, worked on TRL together, which honestly was such a great experience for me watching Mm. you host, um, I learned so much from you, but obviously you have continued to go on to work on some amazing projects, one of them being The Long Road with uh, Destination New South Wales, which when that was announced was such an incredible initiative, especially after the bushfires and COVID, um, mm. obviously encouraging people to get back out there. In terms of gigs, like that's that's got to be a bit of a dream one, like oh. traveling around I with done it for free. Australian musicians, oh. like you hit the jackpot. Yeah. 
When I got like the initial call and they explained the brief, I legitimately just said, I said, no, no, this is my job. Like I get that you're speaking to other people about this and they'll do, they'll do a fine job, but I'm going to do the best job of this <laughs> and I need this gig and I want this gig and I'll have my fee and I want to do it. I was just like, this is the dream. My two greatest passions in life are music and travel and to get something that's like the ability to do both. And not just in the fake sense of like we're going to pretend we took a one-week holiday but do it in five hours, but we're going to spend three days on the road and really experience this. Dream freaking gig. Honest to God, you hit the nail on the head, mate. So in terms of the premise, for, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening has tuned in to I think the six episodes that are out already. Um, six episodes, yeah, and they're all about kind of six minutes long. Right. And, short. and so the premise is that you're doing a series of road trips with some of the biggest Aussie musos in the country. And honestly, there's no one else that could do the job because you are so, um, you know, because c- sometimes those – shows the the buddying up with a muso can be a little janky and a little like you're so disarming and you truly feel like you're going with your you know your muso that you're bringing along with you and you are really experiencing this and it's not naff so was that the experience for you that you were just like actually really enjoying going out with these experiences I know it can be a job but I didn't feel totally I mean there's long days yeah, especially with Baden um, from Ocean Alley, who was the first episode that we filmed, and that was around kind of Kosciuszko. That was the toughest shoot because it was like, I think one morning my call time was 4 a.m., um, quick hair and makeup in a, in a like Nissan Patrol with 14 guys and my makeup artist, so squashed in the back, climbing literally up Mount Kosciuszko. We get to the summit and it's, you know, not even sunrise yet. And it was, I've never, Lisa, been so cold in my life. I was like, oh God. And like, we, none of us were prepared. Like we thought, oh, it's, you know, whatever. It's not winter, we're fine. So we're all dying. And then that night we didn't get back until probably 12.30 at night. So it's huge ass days. But the crew was so awesome and I really, the fact that I was experiencing it with these artists meant that even when it was grueling, it was just so much fun. And I knew all the artists already. Like, I think that's a big part of why I got the gig in particular was that we didn't have to have that kind of like awkward, hey, I'm Ash, like get to know each other. Like, especially with someone like Amy Shark, who I've been friends with for years, you just rock up and you get into it. And for many of them, like Guy, like Amy, it really, it was like I was experiencing with a mate because they're genuinely my mates. For someone like Troy Cassadaly, who I'd never met before, he's so nice and wonderful and lovely and such a darling that he was the disarming one. Like it was just like, oh, we're all going to be friends now. So I think they chose the artists really well. There were no divas. No one was like bringing a crappy manager with them and just, you know, complaining about their food not being good. They had great artists. The crew would just like, if you saw them in the street, Lisa, you would think that they were just like some delinquent skater boys. And then they're pulling out this like ridiculous content with these drones and cameras. And so it didn't feel like a really stuffy kind of like, you know, client video. And, you know, they said to me, oh, the client's going to be coming along. And I thought, oh, help me, Jesus six weeks with a client, this is going to be hell. 
But the client was a legend. She's become a great friend. She didn't kind of get too invested in the details and do that. They never made me do anything twice. And as a presenter yourself, you know how crappy it is when you do something and then go, cool, just going to get that again for safety. And you're mm, like, for safety. I've done it perfectly. And the safety one's shit. And they make you do it again. And then you're like, I hate this so much. I hate everybody. I want to punch everyone. <laughs> we just made it fun. Yeah, that came through. Like, obviously, like, you have incredible chemistry with these artists. But, yeah, visually, I wasn't expecting it to look so beautiful. And that might sound really dumb considering, like, they want to make it look good for people to go check. But, like, oh, some of these shots are just like, whoa. Beautiful. Well, we weren't expecting it either. Like me and – because like the only kind of non-technical crew there were me and Carla, my makeup artist, who's you know my, one of my oldest friends. And even when we were doing it, we knew it would look good. But these boys were barefoot and like they didn't go home in between shoots. So I'd get flown in and then flown out, you know, do my driving around for three days and then go and chill in Sydney by the beach and live my best life for five days. These boys did not go home for six weeks. They lived in vans – they camped, they slept in the car, you know, they – and also they, like I said, they look like delinquent skaters. <laughs> so when I saw the first episode, which was – and they t- had to turn it around so quickly that by the time we were shooting the second one, we'd seen most of the first one already, we were like, oh, okay, this is real. This is like – looks like a contest commercial. Like it really – That's But this is going to be they, a really boring statement, but like – when you have really tight deadlines, it doesn't always look amazing. So to turn that around, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> We couldn't believe it. It's it, visually, I think it's the most beautiful thing I've ever worked on. And, um, you know, the boys are just the most beautiful humans. And, you know, Mitchie on the drone who looks 12, once again, never wore shoes. And he'd just come out, yeah, with his little drone. I thought, this kid, as if what he knows what he's doing. He just like... Got a drone from JB Hi-Fi and he wants a free trip to Alice Springs. Um, and he wants a free trip to Broken Hill. And then you see it and you're like, what the f-? <laughs> Yeah. And a lot of people keep saying to me like, you know, oh, it, it looks so amazing. Like there must have been like a, such a big crew and so many camera people. And no, you know, two camera people, a drone operator, a director who was the second camera guy, just a lot of passion in there and people that just really knew what they were doing and very empowering. But also it's got to be said that like the landscapes we're working with were just begging to be filmed, especially Kosciuszko, which I think was stunning, Broken Hill, some of these places like, my God, like that red dust and the, you know, emus and the kangaroos and I had no idea. New South Wales in particular was this beautiful. You think New South Wales, you think the beach. Yeah, very confined to like the coast and and that's it. But Mm. that's what I wanted to ask you. Like before working on this job, did you think that you knew New South Wales and then you went to some of these places and you're like, oh, there's a whole other world out there and it's truly in our backyard? Totally. You think New South Wales, you think Byron Bay, obviously, (laughs) and then Sydney and then like South Coast and Newcastle, you know, and that's kind of you've seen everything. And to be honest, if I had the option of going to Bali or going to Broken Hill, which would probably cost the same in the end, you're going to Bali. Yeah. You know, f- for me, there wasn't this idea that going inland was any fun. Oh, someone from Holbury, South Australia is calling me. Apologies. Um, 
yeah, there was the idea that the desert was kind of, I don't know, something you do when you're a kid or when you're old. But my God, it, oh, far out. I had no idea. And I didn't know Broken Hill would be so beautiful. I thought you had to go to Uluru or like Alice Springs, like right into the red center to see some of the stuff we saw. Even Kosciuszko um, in the summertime, you know, you think, oh, I'll go to, I'll go to the snow, I'll go to, you know, Perisher or whatever and go skiing. But some of those hikes and the thermal pools that we saw, it's just things you would never think of, think of doing. Um, and we did go to kind of the Byron area with Troy. And I, I've been to Byron probably, you know, 10 times. But we saw a side of it that I had never seen. I had never bothered to go to Brunswick Heads, Lennox, Tweed. You know, we did that beautiful walk on country with Delta K. Things you'd never do on a holiday normally. So not only did I discover new parts of New South Wales, but new parts of the places I'd already been because you break out of the normal, just you do this, you do that, and then you sit in your hotel or whatever. Well, you know, as a Tweed Heads native, I can personally attest to um, the Tweed City Shopping Centre is... (laughs) (laughs) really comes alive um, at sunset if you just want to sit there with your oak chalky milk and just really take it all in. Come on. All right. I loved Tweed Heads. (laughs) I would stay there next time instead of Byron. We were like, oh, this is cool. This is relaxed and there's way less, you know, dickheads here. Yeah. The the coast from Byron as you're approaching Gold Coast before you cross over the border, there are so many – towns that truly feel like it's still 20 30 years ago like they're living in that little time bubble in the best way possible I don't mean that offensive I mean that like people don't wear shoes they're and not in a like Byron Bay way they don't wear shoes they've never worn shoes (laughs) they've been taking their Gucci loafers off to just go barefoot for a bit for a photo yeah totally and there's great food and coffee it's just cool and I want I still haven't gone to Yamba which I know is further but I'd love to go to Yamba. I'm hearing good things about that part of the coast as well. Yeah, Yamba's so great. I think also like just from someone who has, you know, grown up in a particular part of New South Wales, like Tweed Heads that maybe isn't like a travel destination, watching uh, these episodes and I don't, I don't know if it's like an Australian, I don't know what it is, but this kind of sense of pride about seeing your hometown shown in such a a beautiful light did you sort of find that when you were speaking to locals they were like thank you for like thank you for coming and and showing our towns in this way especially um some of the more kind of the places like along the Murray um Broken Hill those sorts of places where um you know not as popular tourist destinations slash really screwed over by um, the droughts. People were just so, so proud of where they live and so happy to have us there. Like all of them just, you know, like some of the stories we heard about just the decimation of the tourism industry, you know, places that had just, it's not like they didn't have customers. They didn't open for 10, 11 months. So they're just sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. You know, they're still paying mortgages or rent. That you know, they've got staff. So hearing those stories and seeing the just the joy on their faces that we were coming and and showing off, you know, um, the local goods was it felt so special and so rewarding. And in our industry, Lisa, as you know, you don't often have many of those moments when you think, 
I'm doing something important because that's, you know, often what we do is we entertain and, you know, yes, that's important in its own way, but this was so different and I, you know, I really learned a lot from them and I appreciate my own backyard so much more now, you know, and even when the borders do open and we can travel internationally, yes, I will be the first person on a plane (laughs) to Rome, but I will also, um, I'm really looking forward to the next couple of years of really seeing more of Australia. Yeah. And I'm so, we've got the best, we've got the best country in the world. And I'm ashamed of myself that Mm. for so long, you know, when my breaks came around, it was a cool Fiji, Bali, Europe, America, you know, there is that expectation though that you just you get out and you leave and and it is I don't begrudge anyone for doing that because I've done it and yeah. it's just you know what you do but I, I I really hope people take stock and go yeah let's let's see Australia because when I was younger my my parents took me out of year three for like six months and took oh. me traveling around Australia and at the time I didn't appreciate it. I was like, oh, God, I just want to be at school with my friends. And now looking back at the, the photos that we have, I'm like, you fucking ungrateful little shit. <laughs> like you got to see the most most northern part of Australia, the most western part of oh. Australia, like just all of this. And I'm like, oh, I hope, you know, one day when I have kids that I can do that and sort of they'll be a little bit more grateful than I was. Yeah, totally. Now we were all little shits and we were kids. That's the dream. That's something that Adrian and I always talk about, you know, is that we want, like I even, so like I grew up um, in Melbourne but moved overseas as an expat kid when I was young. Whereas Adrian grew up in Wyala, which is like three hours out of Adelaide. It's a steel town. It's in the middle of nowhere, you know. But they're a proper like Aussie family, you know, and they went to the same um, like caravan park campsite every year. And, you know, like to me that is like, oh, I said to him, you know, when our little one grows up or little ones, if we have more, like, where are we going to take them every year? Like, I want them to have that experience of like the one campsite or wherever it is where like every year the same kids descend and you just like, you're a little shit for two weeks and you eat whatever and you're naughty and you go exploring and you have that sense of magic. And that's something I kind of missed out on when I was a kid, but he certainly has. And um, mm. I can't wait to like, I don't know, have that with my family. And I like, know. You know. And it's like, I know, I know in recent mojitos. times, like a lot of Australians have felt like a bit of a contentious relationship with their connection to Australia and, you know, without getting, yeah. you know, too deep into that, like those moments there, that's the Australiana that you want to like hold on to yeah. and, and make sure doesn't like die and you we can give to our kids obviously totally i definitely hope the caravan parks stay around forever and we never get past that surely we can't i mean oh, the people my my parents are big as you probably um gathered they're big like campers they like get in the trailer and they and they just yeah. the, the caravan people are you'll never find more interesting people than at like a rural campsite in like broken hill kuba pedi like yes. these people are have got some They're stories going. they are traveling they are seeing stuff you know oh, i think it's cool i'd love to go caravanning every like 18 months or so adrian my husband and i decide to quit our jobs and and travel for a year and then we kind of don't uh, so maybe one day <laughs> yeah i i feel like um 
you're needed doing what you're doing right now, but maybe one day. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see that. We'll see. (laughs) It depends how strong the urge from my end gets, you know. But yeah, but that's that's the best part. You can make that call. People are going to be wanting to. I'm going to become an author. I've already decided. Yeah. (laughs) I've already decided in a couple of years I'll throw in the broadcasting towel and just become an author so that I can be anywhere and just write. I don't know what I'll write. Or if anyone will want to read it or if it will pay money. But these are minor details, like so we can think about that. Well, look, if you're not too bound to um, like 100-year NDAs, I'm sure you've got some some secrets you could spill about people you've interviewed. <laughs> That's probably another podcast. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. But I like – I'm not the – yeah, no, I don't have bad experiences with people. You know, some people are like, they're a cunt. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can say the C word. Yeah, you can say cunt. <laughs> Mum-to-be says cunt on podcast <laughs> Daily Mail. <laughs> sorry, little guy in there. I hope you didn't hear that. Um, I, I think because I make such an effort to, um, like yourself, do my research and be nice and kind, I generally see the best part, the best side. So for me, maybe the more interesting stories would be about the loveliest encounters I've had with artists that you think are going to be dickheads but rock up and you're like, you're a nice person. And you I'd see the that. side I'd of read them that very book. human. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about some of the um, moments that you had with these celebrities that you've been going on road trips with. You touched on Mount Kosciuszko with Baden from Ocean Alley who I – you know, we, we worked with him when he was on TRL. Um, he's a, he's a beautiful human. And Mm. there was that moment where you guys were sitting atop in, as you now say, freezing conditions. It was a very like profound moment. It was really beautiful to watch. I don't really know what my question is. It was just, that was just, I can extrapolate because it was a truly beautiful moment and it, it was a lot longer than that. But when you've got you know, seven touch points to get through in six minutes. You can't kind of dwell too much. But I I was surprised at how intimate it felt, even though we're freezing our asses off, the wind is so strong and there's like 10 people silently standing a metre away from you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, he's got such a beautiful spirit though um, that it made it very easy. And also... You know, like I, I I, don't know if God – I believe in God, but I don't have a name for God. But when I'm in those moments, you know, when you're on the top of a mountain at sunrise overlooking just the most beautiful view and there's this kind of holiness in the air, I mean, it's hard to miss that, you know, and we all felt it even though we were so uncomfortable and exhausted and cold. Um, I think holiness is, you know – Justin B would love me using that word. Um, that's kind of how it felt and that and that's really something we touched on throughout, you know, and sometimes it came through in the edit, sometimes it didn't, but just that you know, we had the same moment with um, with Amy Shark and the start of our Broken Hill episode when we were in this kind of gallery in the desert on a high point overlooking just like as far as you can see, just red dirt and it was just this moment of silence like, God, like we're so small you know, and this world is so vast and big and I don't know, it was just magic. So I'm glad we got a couple of those moments because for me that's like, that's why I live near the beach in Sydney because of that 
reconnecting with God, with nature, with something bigger than myself that happens when you can look at an ocean, you know, and for my bedroom, I get, you know, a bit of ocean. And for me, that's just like, you know, so it was a beautiful mix of his beautiful spirit as well as just this, you know, land that we're in. But that's also when, when we talk about being so lucky to live in this country, like the, the nature and the opportunity to explore like real nature it's not available to to everyone in the mm. world and the fact that we so often choose not to take part in that is something that we need to be reminded of and I, I felt that so much watching this series I'm it's so like glad. God, you can, you can feel connected to something if you just step outside of your comfort zone and it's here, it's all around us. Absolutely. And it's land that, you know, our indigenous cultures have tended to and loved and had such a strong connection with for so long that I really do believe that all of this land has a holiness to it. And when we had that beautiful um, walk on country with Delta K, who's an Indigenous elder um, up around Byron, Bundjalung country, that was, I mean, what you said, it was just a beautiful and kind of encapsulation of how I felt after that, that I, I could have just walked along that creek and gone, cool, that was, that was a really nice little walk. But with her... Oh my gosh, we were tasting things. We were understanding that's actually medicine and, and, and that's this and that's always been there and that specific there has meant this to us for generations and we make food out of this and we make tea out of this and like, oh my God. So that's something that now when I go to a new place in Australia, that's kind of one of the things that I've really made a promise to myself is to find an Indigenous elder and, and do one of those walks. And if you go to Byron, you can do them in a couple of places. You can do an, one by the water, one kind of inland and really like no one knows our land and, you know, the, the, um, the flora and the fauna. No one knows it like, you know, the Indigenous people here. So that was magic. And she was – I cried about 55 times. Like I just felt – I felt really just ignorant about that nature isn't just to look at, you know, and I think for us – because we don't really have that same connection, we don't really use nature as food and medicine, it's very much something that just kind of looks pretty. So I kind of, you know, was reminded of my own ignorance in that sense, but it was just um, magic. And seeing Troy and Delta, you know, interact as well was just, it was so beautiful. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm a hippie at heart and I love, I love nature, but it gave me like a much deeper understanding of its importance and how much we have to protect it. Mm, that's such a good point, like... There's the surface level, but yeah, being totally, totally cognizant of the fact that it's not, it wasn't our land to begin with. And there is so much more to it. And we're just so lucky to, to be here. And even just learning the names, you know, that's like a tiny thing we can do, you know, learn the proper name for a place. And I think that's something that in Australian tourism, especially as we move forward, is something that I'm starting to see more and I think is really important that as, you know, um, as Australians we, we learn the proper names for places. It's tiny. It's easy. You know, it's not like a huge cultural shift for us. Yeah. It's learning a couple words but, you know, it's important. You've wrapped on the first season of The Long Road. Should we be fortunate enough to get a second season? Are there any 
artists that you'd love to come along with you on a road trip and are there any places that you're still keen to explore with said artists I would I would love to get some international artists because because mm. I think you know they're the ones that really um you know we have a sense of how wonderful Australia is as Australians but I think some of those international artists you know Australia to them is just this like magical faraway place and so many of them come for like three days and see nothing so I'd love to you know take Ed Sheeran out to the Red Centre and see him perform at Uluru like something like that would be amazing um if we're talking take his Red Centre to the Red Centre the Red Centre exactly (laughs) yeah I'd love to get someone like rural like these young younger Australians um I'd love to go up to like um, Arnhem Land with Baker Boy, which is kind of his home, which is a really beautiful kind of centre for arts and culture. And a lot of kind of his mob around there are really into their dance and their song. And I've heard they're an amazing artist and galleries up there. So that, w- that would be pretty sick. And right now, obviously, I've just done New South Wales. This is a project we did with, you know, Destination New South Wales. We could very easily do a whole other season here. You know, there's still so much, especially like – the beautiful coast, you know, like up around Coffs Harbour and all that kind of stuff is is so beautiful. Um, and I just, yeah, I would like to do more of that kind of inland orange and mudgy. I recently did a little um, long weekend away in mudgy and that's like so cool. Oh, man, it was awesome. And I just like four days before found out I was pregnant, so I couldn't eat any interesting food or drink wine. And all we did was go to wine. That's torture in my cheek. It was torture. (laughs) Jeez, like I'm not really a big drinker, but if I go to a winery, I'll do you know the wine flight. So I was. You know, it's going to be good. Plonk Plonk. is that is that like a word for wine? Yeah, I think it's that's um, taken from my mum. Bit of plonk. It's actually quite a foul word, isn't it? <laughs> plonk. 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 Yeah, I don't know why that would be wine, but I'm down for it. And if you're listening, go to Mudgee. Three and a half hours, stop in the Blue Mountains on the way. Big fan of the Blue Mountains as well. Um, yeah, I'd love to go to the Mudge. But yeah. The thing I'd... is, when you're filming, only one person's allowed to drink because it's a road trip and one person has to drive. So I – for the whole of the thing was the one that did was on the waters. So you'll see, like I did the um, the liqueur tasting with Baden and I just had water and smelt a couple of them. We're sitting, it's like 40 degrees. I did degrees notice that and out. I was like, mm. Yeah, that's why. Because one person has to be Deso. And then we're just like so hot in Broken Hill at this like amazing pub sunset with Amy Shark. I would have murdered somebody for a beer. And they're like, here's his sparkling water. I'm like, this is so lame. Oh, God. But I understand. You've got to, you know, stick to the rules. And at least I let Sharky have a beer, you know. And that's your dedication to the job. Can I say? You know? Classic me. Uh, now I got to ask you the golden <laughs> ticket question, which is tomorrow mm-hmm. if there were no obstacles, money, work, whatever you could get on a plane to go anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would you go? I would go to Puglia in the south of Italy um, with my husband. That is our that is our place, Lisa. That is our place. We went there a couple of years ago and I've been to Italy multiple times because we're obsessed with it. But um, Puglia is like something different because – 
it's still where the Italians holiday. So when you go there, the prices are still a bit more affordable. There's less Americans going, oh, God, look at that. Oh, is there a Starbucks? And um, it's just all about food and ocean, which are my favourite two things in the whole world. We, and this is a little town called Ostuni. So Puglia is the heel of the, of the boot in Italy. And um, Ostuni is this little white town where everything's painted white. And you stay on the outskirts of town in a masseria, which is like a, um, a working farm. So they might have a vineyard or they might have, you know, tomatoes or something. And then you stay and we paid like, you know, 60 bucks a night to stay at this old farmhouse. And, oh, man, yeah, when we're having a shit day, we're looking at it. I can tell when my husband's like, well, he's still, he's since res- like resigned. But um, I could tell he was having a shit day when I just catch him, you know, looking at pull your real estate. <laughs> Looking out to sea and just like he's gone to Puglia. Yeah. That's yeah. mentally where So our, our goal in life is to kind of retire young. Like we both work our asses off in order to kind of, you know, set ourselves up for the sole purpose of retiring young and, and moving to Italy and having just a stack of greyhounds. And I love cooking. He loves jobs. So he would just potter and I would just cook and, <laughs> you know, open a spa or something. Like I just, to me, that is... Italians know how to live. They just eat and sleep and love their families. Like that is what I'm all about, eating and sleeping in my family. And they just don't sweat the small. So, yes, the economy is a piece of shit and it takes 25 years to build a house because everyone's like, oh, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. But, you know, they're happy. We're the ones in the rat race. They truly live to have a good time. Like the, the Italian way of life is it. You'll, you'll get it. I know you will. Yeah, I really do believe. So Italy for us is like the pinnacle. But then if it's going to be like a fun – we also like – I've been to Japan a couple of times and that's the one thing that we say when, you know, um, Fetus, who's currently 14 weeks old, when uh, he's a bit older and can enjoy it, um, Japan is a great place for kids because – as, as much as Italy is me, Japan is also me because it's weird and kooky and also food. Yeah. So all we do when we travel is eat. Like that's legitimately – like I don't see – I don't see like churches or ruins, nothing. I don't see anything touristy. I, I just make a list. I make 20 reservations and we just eat 100%. and rest and eat it's and the, rest. It's the driving force for me as well. Yes, I do all the research. Be- you gotta you got to know yes. where to eat. And if I take one bite of a meal and realise it's a shit restaurant, I will not finish the meal. I'll go somewhere else. I'm not going to waste a meal in a foreign country if it's bad. But in Japan, guess what? No bad food doesn't exist. You can't get it anywhere. It's not a thing. Even the freaking octopus in mm-hmm. just out in the open in the 7-Eleven. Yes. Doesn't matter. Fine. Have it. Vending machine soba noodles. Better than a restaurant in Australia. Like... They just have a respect for food, which the Italians do, but they'll also rip off tourists with a shitty 30 euro pasta, which doesn't happen. As they should. I don't feel offended by that. I'm like, do it. For some reason, I'm just like, go off, do it. I respect it. It's true. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm super excited for you to get back to both of those places. And yeah, you're standing on the precipice of such an exciting adventure and that means new travel in a in a different way so I'm so happy for you thank you well, it means mainly for me new travel in a different way 
because I can't take um, Valium and red wine every time I fly now because I'll have a human. I'm not a great flyer. And even though I fly so much, if it's an overseas flight, I am like business class is completely wasted on me because I pass out before the seatbelt sign turns on. Once I woke up landing in um, Doha and my bra was on the floor because at some point <laughs> I thought in my sleep, my bra is uncomfortable and it was just on the floor. So, you know, no I can't be doing that with a baby. No idea. I had notes on my phone in Swedish and then I kind of remember that the guy next to me was Swedish. So I don't know what I told him or why I gave him my phone and said, please write that down. But I did. But he was lives I going with you to now. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. We adopted him. He lives with us. I still don't know his name. I don't know what I said on the flight. But <laughs> yes. A new era of travel is awaiting me. Surely. Um, I, I want to give you a little minute to um, sh- blow up your spot. Shout out. Like Obviously, you've got Ash London Live um people can catch up on the long road it's on youtube where else where else can people find you um well i'm not on twitter because it's vile so you can't find me there you can pretty much just find me on instagram at ash underscore london or you can follow my dog at honey to hound both are fine and monday to friday i'm on the radio from 7 p.m on the hit network um but i think i am learning lisa to get myself off the hamster wheel and just let myself have a bit of a life in this period. So I'm very happy to announce that I have got absolutely nothing on the horizon <laughs> except have like birthing a child in October, which comes with its own challenges. And so I have more than I've ever had on the horizon technically. But um, it's really it's it's been a nice little challenge for me to just give myself a break professionally. I think that you definitely deserve that you are don't go fucking taking all my jobs though because you will because you're so good as you were giving me a compliment I was giving you a compliment we're so cute <laughs> um but yeah I just I loved this series it really was just yeah I, I found it so much more moving Yay. than I thought it was going to be because you know sometimes we think that these things can be a little corporate but um, totally. you did such a great job and I encourage everyone to check that out um and it was just so good to see you and I love you and I miss I you and I'm so you. excited for you <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you so much for your thoughtful questions and for shining a light on a series that, you know, we're all really, really proud of. So I love you, darling, and I'll see you real soon. Thanks for joining me. Bye. Bye.